Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Change Agents Dilemma for Tuesday, April 13, 2010 on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Heather Stegel, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia, as I do every two weeks on Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. This show is one of the many ways I help equip individuals to lead organizational change at Enclaria LLC. The Change Agents Dilemma is how do you influence change without authority? And today, I'd like to talk about monitoring your organization's nonverbal communication. And I'll get into what I mean about that in just a minute. When we think about nonverbal communication, typically, we think about conversations. We think about one-on-one human interaction, and they say, they say, whoever they are, actually there have been studies that show that verbal communications, that is the words that we use, makes up only 7% of the total message during a conversation. 7% of the total message, the total meaning in a conversation comes from words. So that means that 93% of the meaning that we have within a conversation comes from outside the words that we use. It's everything else in the conversation going on that we interpret what's, what the meaning is, what's really going on. And I have a friend and colleague named Lisa Hartalupus when we were talking about this, I think sometime last year. She brought up a perfect example of the movie WALL-E. If you haven't seen it, it's a Disney, Disney Pixar <coughs> animated feature. And the main character is a robot who has about three or four words to his entire vocabulary. So all of his communication is based on the gestures that the animators <laughs> animated in him, gestures, noises, and just the things that he does. And so when you look at a character like that, and that was a very powerful movie if you saw it, um, maybe you agree, that you could really get a lot of meaning and, and emotion out of somebody who couldn't use words. It was um, very interesting. And so when we look at communication in general, conversations in general, we look at these nonverbal aspects that include things like gestures, posture, your intonation, facial expressions, silence even. And it turns out that the concrete language is by far the least important factor in our interpretation and understanding of what the other person is saying. And it can be subtle, and I I saw this example actually on Twitter last week. I can't remember who it was, but there were two examples. They were saying that punctuation was important, and I'm saying that the tone of voice is important. There's a big difference between saying, let's eat, Grandma, and let's eat, Grandma. (laughs) I just thought that was a hilarious example. Anyway, um, a big difference in in the same words being used with different tone of voice, and if you had seen my facial expressions and my gestures as I just did that, you would see that there was a big difference as well. So if we look at that phenomenon of 7% of meaning coming from words and the rest coming from everything else, and look at that in terms of internal organizational communication, you can look at things like 
the equivalent of verbal communication in organizations is going they're going to be things like the formal words that come to employees in the form of official documents. So it's going to be things like your values and mission statements, your strategy, the policies and procedures of the organization, the newsletters that go out, the website, whether it's an intranet or an external internet site, announcements and emails that go out officially, press releases, and then anything else that you would consider a communication device normally within the context of internal communication. That's what I would consider the equivalent of verbal communication when we talk about organizations. So if we take that metaphor even further, that means that 93% of meaning does not happen in those channels. 93% of what people understand, how people understand what's going on, 93% of what people understand is what's being expected of them, comes from things that are not official communication channels in the organization. The rest of internal communication comes from everything else that the employees experience. Just like in a conversation, the vast majority of meaning and understanding is generated by this, what I'm calling, nonverbal communication in organizations. So I'd like to take the rest of the time here to go through some examples of nonverbal communication, where to look in organizations, um, so you can see what's really speaking louder than words. So the first example, or the first place to look is accountability. So when employees are assessing which policies count, and which ones are simply guidelines, they're going to look at how consistently each one is enforced. And when, they're, when you implement a new policy and or a procedure, or a process and procedure, they're generally going to be followed to the extent that you're going to require them. I mean, you can convince someone that it's a good idea to implement this process or to follow this procedure. But when it comes down to it, a lot of times, if their manager is not going to check back up on them to make sure that they're doing it, uh, it may not happen, even if they do agree that it's a good idea, because doing what they've always done is just easier, and their manager is not going to make them. So when you look at accountability and how it compares to the official communication in your organization, ask yourself, what can people get away with? And I've got a few examples. One is an example of an IT help desk, where the policy is that if you have a computer issue that needs to be resolved, you call the help desk or you email the help desk or whatever the procedure is to be put on the waiting list. Right? People can identify what the, what the priority is within the IT department and see who, whose problem are we going to solve first. So that's the policy. But of course, if you know the right person, you might be able to call them directly and say, hey, Steve, I have this problem. It's just going to take five minutes. You could help me out with it, right? And totally skirt the new procedure, the new process. So that's an example. Another example is for security, a lot of companies have a policy where everyone needs to wear their name badge. And if you're 
if you're caught having not having your name badge, of course somebody will point it out to you and say, "Where's your name badge?" or you know whatever the extreme is in your organization. I don't know what it is. Um, and I've seen a case where the executive team said, "Yes, for security, we need to know." that everyone who's in the building should be in the building and everyone should be able to identify that just by looking to see if they have a name badge. It's an easy way to do that. But the executive team themselves, after they implemented the name badge policy, didn't wear name badges. So then what happens? Well, the people who work for the executives, specifically like the administrative assistants, well, they say, well, my boss isn't. and so I'm not going to because everyone knows who I am. So they don't need me to wear my name badge to know who I am, that kind of a thing. And I've seen something like I've seen a sexual harassment policy that as a manager even went through training saying this is specifically what you need to do, the procedure you need to follow if somebody complains about someone else's behavior. And then the same policy seems to be carried out depending on who has done the questionable behavior, right? So when you look at these examples, think about what's the real policy? It's not the one that's written down and that people are trained on. The real policy is the one that's being enforced. So accountability is one of the key places to look for nonverbal communication that might be conflicting with the official change communication that you're trying to send out. The next category is rewards. Rewards in all their forms tells, tell employees how to be successful in one way or another. Now your typical incentive programs are designed to signal expectations. If you do this, you get a reward. But they may sometimes conflict with stated values and even inadvertently motivate a different behavior than what you want people to do. And I have a couple of examples of that. Of course, <laughs> everybody probably does. Uh, I had worked in a plant that had banners everywhere, safety, quality, quantity, in that order. Right, saying safety's first, safety's the most important thing, quality's next, and then we want production. And the incentive plan in that same plant was based on production, not safety, not quality. The more you made, the more you made. <laughs> And when management figured out that that was, that was the message that they were sending, that really production is more important, they started saying, well, we'll take down the production bonus if there's a safety incident or based on different quality standards. But that still is saying production's first, and we're taking into account safety and quality. So that's one example of a reward system that didn't match the slogans, right, the banners that were up on the wall, the, the verbal communication in the organization. And another example of a company 
that had a, a an earnings bonus for their management team. That if the company made a certain profitability number, then the managers would get a certain percentage bonus at the end of the year. Well, there were a couple of years in a row where the the company didn't make the their target, and the 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 executives, actually the owners, said. Well, we know there were a lot of reasons why we didn't make targets, so we're going to give you part of your bonus anyway. Just because we know that you worked hard and these things were outside of your your span of influence, so we're going to give you part of it anyway. So think of the message that that sends, that you know the official line is, if we make so much profitability, then you guys get an, a reward. But in reality, if you guys try really hard and can make really good excuses, right, <clears throat> for why you didn't hit your target, then we'll give you some of it anyway. Okay, so the, the things that you're motivating in, in those two different cases are, are different. So beyond even your official incentives, look at who's getting promoted what are the values that, that they espouse? Are they the same as what's going on with your change initiative? What behaviors in the organization elicit praise from managers? All these things send powerful messages about what is expected in the organization. So you want to make sure that the message that's being sent, what is expected, matches what's expected people to, for people to do for your change initiative. The third category of places to look for nonverbal communication is resources. Specifically, how managers spend their resources speaks volumes about what they, value, what they truly value and prioritize. So the decisions that they make about how to allocate funds and how they spend their own time demonstrates what they believe will lead to success and models the behavior, um, models the priorities for everyone else. So think of the examples where you have a big company strategy, you've got strategic initiatives in the organization that are everyone says are very important. We need to do these things in order for the to maintain the health of the organization. We're going to budget for them. We've got the budget, so we know that we're going to be able to spend the money on these important things. And then all of a sudden, oh, well, we're not doing as well as we thought. We're going to need to cut the budget. So guess what gets cut? Strategic initiatives, right? So is the strategy really important if they're not going to spend the money on it? Potentially not. Another example of a, an organization that set training goals for everyone in the organization. Everyone had to have so many hours of training in order to improve employee development. But then when you looked at the budget, there wasn't anything at all that would be that would cover everyone getting that much training. And then look at managers' time and how they spend their time. What meetings are 
being rescheduled all the time? Which ones are being skipped entirely? Which meetings are managers late for? So they're not really respecting the time of everyone else who's in the meeting because they don't necessarily think that it's important. So how managers spend their resources, their time, and the funds that are allocated to them can, can really speak volumes about what they think is really important, even if it's different from the official line of, of coming from the organization of what's important. And the last category, and it's really an all-encompassing one, is management behavior. More than anything, employees look at the behavior modeled by managers to see if it matches what is officially communicated. And the most in influential person in this regard is an employee's own boss. So even if what the CEO matches, say, says matches the official newsletter, say, that's nice, that's good, it's good to have that match up, it's consistent. Okay, my boss's boss is even saying the same things in meetings or in emails or whatever. Okay, that's nice, but my boss, not so much. So who am I going to listen to? Ultimately, in most cases, it's your own boss. So one example would be a, a new initiative comes out. Everyone is supposed to participate in a community service project. And the community service project can be on company time. And so everyone, you know, it'll be a fun activity, it'll be team building, it'll be good for the community. But my boss doesn't, he doesn't want me to do it, or he won't free up the time so that I can participate, or he's blowing it off and saying, that's just silly. Right? I'm sure you can think of an example where that happens. And how many of you have been in a meeting where, say, there's a, maybe a new company policy or maybe an old one, not policy, but value of valuing people's ideas? And in that meeting, the person running it, when you say your idea, says something like, oh, that's a, a terrible idea. That's never going to work. No, no, we should do this instead. <laughs> so sure, we value employees' ideas, but not the terrible one that you just shared. That's the message they're sending, right? And similarly, uh, a specific example that, that made a big impact on me was um, a long time ago, there was an initiative to get people to, to submit more ideas into a suggestion box. And they were paying money to all the ideas that were implemented. And there was a time frame on it. And so I thought to myself, I'll be a good employee and I'm going to take on this challenge. I'm going to challenge myself to submit one idea every day. 
And an idea that should be implemented, not just an idea that, you know, I was just pulling out of thin air because I was trying to come up with one every day. So you would think that the management team that came up with this incentive and these values would say, wow, this person's really taking initiative. She's, saying, she's coming up with an idea, it seems like, every single day. Maybe we should figure out how to harness that and, and, and uh, you know, let's see what her motivation is and see if we can spread that to the rest of the company, right? No, that's not what happened. <laughs> that's not what happened. Instead, I ha- was having a conversation with, um, I think, the person in HR shortly after this started, and most of the ideas went through him first and then to the, to the executive team to be looked at. And he said, oh, they're saying, wow, you know, they're they're kind of making fun of you for turning in so many ideas. (laughs) Making fun of me for doing exactly what they said they were trying to accomplish. Okay? So you can tell I, even now, this is years later, I still think of that example and say, man, they really messed up there. They really did not match what they said they were trying to do officially with what their behavior was after the fact. And we know what this is called, right? It's an overused term, and I'm going to say it now. We need managers to walk the talk, right? The talk is the verbal communication, the official line, the official change message of what you want people to do. And when the walk that is everything else, all their behaviors, doesn't match the talk, doesn't match the verbal communication. That mismatch, you know, you look at the percentage. 7% of meaning is the official meaning, the official communication. 93% is all the nonverbal, all the behaviors, all the attitudes, all the activities that managers focus on. And that's a stark difference. And you can tell that when people are thinking about implementing change, should I be doing the behaviors that I'm hearing or that I'm reading that I should be doing? Well, I'm going to look at my managers and see what should I really be doing. And that's the thing that's going to take the priority. That's where all the meaning is going to come from. Employees will rely on nonverbal communication to understand what is expected and to decide appropriate action in the midst of uncertainty. And what else is uncertain except besides change? <laughs> and when introduced to news of change, many employees are going to take the stance, I'll believe it when I see it. Right? We hear that phrase all the time. Think about what it means. I'll believe it when I see it. Not, I'll believe it when I read it. Not, I'll believe it when I hear it. I'll believe it when I see it. So it's imperative for your change initiative that you monitor your organization's nonverbal communication to make sure that the actions and behaviors 
going on in the organization are consistent with the official change message, consistent with what you want people to do that's new. Because if it's not, the message that you're sending through the official channels is not going to be heard. And even worse, people would, might see the hypocrisy and start rolling their eyes, start not believing it, start being skeptical, being cynical. So to the extent that you can, you want to look at the rest of the 93% of where the meaning is coming from. Say, what can I do to make sure that it matches? If it doesn't match, to the extent that you can, you need to address it. So just in summary, uh, four places to look for nonverbal communication in your organization. That is the 93% of meaning that, the meaning that isn't coming from official communication channels are accountability. You want to look at what people are getting away with doing versus what we say they need to be doing. Look at rewards. And that means both official incentives, but also the other, all the rest of rewards and motivation, the things that happen that, that um, people get rewarded for but not officially, the promotions and the, the praise and, and things like that. You want to look at resources, how managers specifically are spending their time, how are they spending their budgets, make sure that they're able to support and that they're supporting with their activities the change initiative. And in general, you want to look at management behavior and say, say are the people who employees are watching really walking the talk? So with that, I'll talk about next the next show in two weeks coming up. I have a special guest named Christian Kress. He works at Lockheed Martin, and we're going to get a glimpse of what it's like to be a change agent within an organization in many different roles. Uh, Chris is Six Sigma Black Belt. He's also He was on the team a couple of years ago that got the Lockheed Martin Enterprise Information uh, System into the Balance Scorecard Hall of Fame. So he's he, he's um, been really entrenched in the, their Balance Scorecard effort and also in strategy execution is what that focuses on. So he's got a lot of insight on how change happens from the inside, and so I'm looking forward to our conversation in two weeks coming up on April 27th. That's Tuesday, April 27th, 2010 at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. In the meantime, if you'd like to see how we might work together to influence change in your organization, please visit www.enclaria.com. Thank you so much for listening to The Change Agent's Dilemma. Take care and best wishes for your change initiative.
Using an overpriced trash bag. Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks. Whippy, whippy, whippy. Or a smelly bag. Stinky, stinky, stinky. Time to switch to hefty, ultra strong trash bags. Always at an ultra low price. Hefty, hefty, hefty. There are best bags yet, and they cost less than Glad Force Flex were sold head to head. So you'll be happy, happy, happy. Hefty, ultra strong with Arm and Hammer odor control. Available at Sam's Club. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Using an overpriced trash bag. Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks. Whippy, whippy, whippy. Or a smelly bag. Stinky, stinky, stinky. Time to switch to hefty, ultra strong trash bags. Always at an ultra low price. Hefty, hefty, hefty. There are best bags yet, and they cost less than Glad Force Flex were sold head to head. So you'll be happy, happy, happy. Hefty, ultra strong with Arm and Hammer odor control. Available at Sam's Club. Hefty, hefty, hefty.